All right. Here we go. Quiet. Roll up. Hello and welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and try to put it all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online contributing editor, Natasha Bogutsky. And seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online editor-in-chief, Rich Drees. You need to work on your pep, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just trying to sound a little bit more radio professional. But, um, We're not radio professionals. Uh, we do this for fun. We do this for love. Exactly. Of movies. Big and, time. You know, and it helps if we don't sound like complete spazzes, though. Hey. <laughs> I'm not saying you sound like a spaz or I sound I'm like a total spaz. spaz. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly seem to have recovered from um, your uh, crazy uh, couple of nights out for celebrating New Year's, that goth event what? You last night. No, I no, have yeah, not yeah. recovered. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> um, Look at these eyeballs. You've got, you've got an intravenous drip of coffee going on right now to kind of get you going. Uh-huh. Actually, I need another cup. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> I'll, stick, I'll stick with the iced tea until after we're done recording. Okay. <laughs> Can I Irish that coffee up, too? Maybe. <laughs> but um, happy holidays. And, um, Yay. If I get this all done this evening. Happy Christmas, you filthy animals. So if I get this all done this evening uh, and then drop it tomorrow morning into the feed, Happy birthday. Oh, I don't want to think about oh, that. Oh, hush. And, I'm getting old. And, no. <laughs> You're past that point of feeling like that. Oh, no, no. You don't wake up the way my knees wake up every morning. So <laughs> it's like I'm sleeping on bubble wrap when I roll over. It's not, it's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> but... And let's let's just say it. Happy another year of movie watching, huh? Mm, okay, thank God that's where you were going with that statement <laughs> I heard. Let's just say it. Happy and I went, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. I'm, I'm a gentleman. I'm not going to say any numbers. But <laughs> <laughs> in terms of age, in terms of movie watching, though, I mean, how, how many did you uh, mm. kick out on for the year? 189 movies. That's pretty darn good. <laughs> I only was barely ahead of you, 192. I was trying to get to 200, and the last couple of weeks I just kind of like stumbled and was like, you know what? I'm not going to just watch stuff just to say I watched a new movie. For our viewers, you should know this. When we say we've seen 189 movies this year, that means that they are new to us. They don't have to come out in 2021, but we just have need to have never seen it before exactly i'm not counting the 42nd 43rd and 44th time i watched raiders <laughs> of the lost ark you know? or the thin man movies or on, the thin man yeah on, with, on new year's with Eve. me it's not the amount of times i've rewatched black swan double indemnity and when harry met sally <laughs> because if it was when harry met sally that thing would have been watched uh how many baths did i take this year i don't know you got to be in triple digits though on that movie Overall in life. Yeah. And I, mean, I only was introduced to it four years ago. Although <laughs> although according to my um my letterbox, I'm at I did a hundred and two hundred and three 
movies that came out in 2021. I didn't even check well, on that I, for now me. Now, granted, um, probably about 30 or 40 of them were um, things I saw at various festivals, either virtually or finally at the Philadelphia Film Festival, actually getting to be on site again, which was an enormous treat. I would say that counts. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, starting off watching a few things from Sundance through their um, online uh, component last year, and I'm not sure if they're doing one again this year. I know that I didn't get accredited for Sundance this year mm. for online like I wanted to, but if they do have an online component, I am at least going to take a look and see, because uh, I looked at their rundown, there were some interesting movies, and I think I told you the one that kind of caught my eye the most. I can't remember what the title of it was, but it was the... Um, indie film crew making a zombie movie has to fend off a real zombie attack. <laughs> that just made me laugh so hard when I read I that. I can't remember the name of it, yeah. but I do remember you saying it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to see this movie. So um, so looking forward to that at least. Um, what, what, what Can you find your uh, number there really quick? Or I'm, should I continue I'm to stall for time for you? Stall for time, but I'm almost there. <laughs> um, and I think I... I did about 50, 50 reviews this year, which uh, for the site is pretty good. Um, so you can always check those out at filmbuffonline.com. Saw a lot of good stuff, saw a lot of crap. <laughs> um, I, had, I didn't get to write about all the good stuff I saw. Didn't get to write about all the crap I saw either. But at least um, on our next episode, and we'll tease this again at the end, um, we're going to do a things we saw that we liked in 2021. It's not quite a best of because we might not – I still have a list of about seven or eight films I really feel I need to see before I could Same. do a, a definitive best of. And I think by the time we record next, uh, I'm not going to be able to see all of them. I might be able to catch two or three of them. So uh, to kind of give ourselves a little wiggle room, we call it our um, our favorites of the year episode and, and not a um, – <laughs> <laughs> not a uh, best of the year. And I'm still <laughs> I'm still tap dancing like crazy out here. 51. 51 new movies for the year? No, 51 that are from 2021. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. I'm sorry, from the year. Okay, great. Um, not bad. No, nah, not bad. I know um, I've drug you to a couple of screenings and uh, we've sat down for a couple of uh, online screeners together. Yes, and, thank God and, for COVID. Mm -hmm. And of course, we. And just... when I caught COVID too, it allowed me to do a lot of movie watching for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it was very while useful. Some, yeah, while some of us were <laughs> slaving away at our day jobs, um, although I did was able to watch a few movies when I was still working from home. I will admit that mostly because I know my boss doesn't listen to this. <laughs> and um, oh, I, I still watch movies on the clock. Oh, nice! I'll just I, I'll, unfortunately I'll keep my I don't phone have back ability. behind my back behind my computer monitor mm -hmm. in like a little alcove that customers can't see, the cameras can't see, and my coworkers can't see, and I keep the subtitles on. So <laughs> <laughs> that's Fair how enough. you do it. I, I unfortunately my work situation doesn't allow me that. Uh, unfortunately, as I said, but. You know, when I can, I do. That's why I said subtitles. Okay. I'm pretty much watching it um, <laughs> without, you know, mm. I, I'm watching it like I, I'm hard of hearing. You could probably 
get through at least some foreign films like that definitely and some yeah foreign films silent films Mm -hmm. that's how i've been knocking some of those out this year (laughs) (laughs) lots of good stuff and we'll go over all of that on our next episode but one of these days we're gonna have to do a instead of best of the year as in like the best of 2021 we'll have to do a best of all the movies that we watched oh like oh well okay how about on-air production meeting um (laughs) (laughs) how about for that next episode then we make two lists things we liked from 2021 that we saw and things we liked overall and other things that we caught for the first time and were just like blown away by, you know, whether it's Done. a 1940s noir or whatever. Done. I like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good because nobody's movie watching actually happens in a vacuum or I'm only going to watch movies from this year this year <laughs> and I'm just going to continue to chronologically watch film and never go backwards. I Well, at least I hope not. Um, I can think of at least three people who do that and drives me nuts well, i can think of a few a few online uh genre and movie nerd sites where it seems like they're only considering things that are happening right now and there's no sense of history to anything that they do which i guess kind of puts them at a weird position or maybe flummoxed them a bit when it came time to talk about the movie we're going to talk about today and that's nightmare alley from guillermo del toro oh yeah yeah, that's right. Um, I'm so glad that I caught the original 1947 last month on the Criterion channel. Is it still available on Criterion I, at this moment? I think I, so. Okay. Okay. Um, I know it's also part of the 20th Century Fox uh, noir uh, classics DVD series that they put out about 10, 15 years ago. And um, next year it's opening Noir Alley on TCM. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um that would be actually this evening as we're recording. Really? <laughs> yeah, so so it's going to be... Sorry, guys. It it's already would have passed by the time you hear this, but it might be available on the TCM app. Yes, or uh, if you uh, if you have like Hulu Live or um, YouTube TV, oftentimes if you go to the TCM page, the movies that they have recently aired are available for a short amount of time afterwards so you can catch up. Yeah. So the original is definitely worth... Sh- uh, checking out oh god yeah um, absolutely i don't think you need to see it no, in order to see really. the new one uh, i think they both stand on their own because they're doing a little bit different things but they're both from the same novel and i think maybe if you like movies see both of them because it's it's very instructive as to the different approaches to that novel that the two filmmakers take absolutely i i really enjoyed um the original and i'm not a tyrone power fan by any stretch of the imagination but he was doing some really interesting work there that i greatly appreciated now um with the and i felt i felt it was kind of outside of his normal wheelhouse it is it was yeah yeah. when you say tyrone power you don't think I think Zorro. Zorro. You think kind of like the uh, 30s, 40s adventure stuff, Mm -hmm. but you don't think like a a gritty noir. No. Which this is. And a guy who basically gets made a chump out of and everything. Um, Yeah. Ultimately, it's a very unheroic character. No, and and it is a story of, you know, karma's a bitch. And while noir, (laughs) that's a basic noir trope. Yeah. It's a basic, you know, hard-boiled crime fiction trope. From that time, from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s even, um, 
so I don't feel ultimately saying something as broad as that is a spoiler, but I think we are going to get into spoilers probably as we go. That ending so, for Guillermo's, uh, yeah. it needs to be talked about a little bit. Yes, and we will talk about that, <laughs> but just I, wanted to get that out there first before people get to... I thoroughly enjoyed Guillermo del Toro's version of Nightmare Alley. It expands um, the original film probably, I think the runtime was around uh, two hours. Um, or, like it was somewhere between one forty and two. Um, it's it. It was a month ago. I don't really remember. <laughs> um, a lot has happened since, but this clocks in at two thirty exactly. Um, and so you you're giving yourself almost an extra hour's worth of footage to expand on your characters, delve back into some of the history and um the past of why these characters are making the choices that they are and uh help reaffirm the relationships mm-hmm. which some of the um original film lacks like uh David Strathen's character Pete um in the original movie he's just kind of the drunk husband who you know dies suddenly here we actually get to see a little bit of his regret and his remorse for the life mm-hmm. that he's lived and the choices that he's made before that happens and trying to pass on lessons that are, are we're hoping our Bradley Cooper character is not going to replicate. True. I, you know, the expanded runtime allows you to get more deep into the characters and find out that some of them are really nasty pieces of work. Oh, God, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I really like that idea. I think one thing that people are maybe assuming is because it's modern versus, you know, the original version is that, well, in movies nowadays, you don't have the production code, so you can be more explicit with things. And I don't think Del Toro really is in terms of visuals. Not I mean, really. we do, there's no real nudity. Uh, there is. Oh. Oh, I got a glimpse of something underneath water at one point. Okay. There, I mean, there's very, very, very fleeting. Um, it's not uh, exploitative no. or indulged. No, it's not. Um, no, I, in fact, I I love that they kept the, the scene about um, Molly Rooney Mara's character going to be taken in by the cops for indecent exposure. She's wearing a, a pair of briefs and a bra. Like a showgirl. Yeah. Um, of that era, the, like 20s. Yeah. And the, the waistline that... It's high-waisted. It's, it's, it's high-waisted above her belly button. Yeah. So so it's as racy, quote-unquote, as uh, Barbara Eden's outfit on I Dream of Jeannie, which famously, you know, they said she has to cover her belly button. Yeah. Yeah, for TV in the 60s. So, yeah. So <laughs> that, I think, is kind of like, oh, yeah. We had different standards back then, and and granted, people are still upset about and uptight about nudity now, but not to the point where something like that would be used as a way to leverage the police. Uh, well, the police would use as a leverage to mm-hmm. um, attack, the, you know, kind of attack these people, bust up the car, and kind of get them to move along and stuff like that. And basically, they were being bullies and. Abusing their authority. Yeah, and uh, D- Darren and I got a giggle over the fact that it was the character, uh, the the guy from Supernatural who played Bobby. 
And I, I know you've probably not seen any of Supernatural. Not really, no. Well, he's, I know. he's like a father figure to the, our two main characters okay. in that. And he's like a real sweetheart with like a, a, a nice little streak of I'm a sarcastic asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here he was just being a dick. A dick with the inferiority complex mm-hmm. and i was just like that's probably the first thing i've seen you do in years and i mean you did good at it <laughs> <laughs> but no going back to what you said about having different standards and being exploitative and all that they really aren't here probably the the closest thing to something um that was taken a little bit further than the original film is the idea of the geek we actually got to witness mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, where, where in the original they would have cut away. Yeah. yeah. Well, at that time, geeks, the whole idea of a geek was illegal. Um, mm-hmm. Here, obviously, in today's society, yeah, the geek would still be illegal, but uh, for film purposes, we can recreate it. <laughs> um, and then I would also say the idea of our one character in his past he had a woman um pretty much have an abortion and it killed her Mm -hmm. or forced her to miscarry same thing and uh they utilize a visual of blood down the front of her her dress to symbolize that i wouldn't exactly call that exploitative or racy at all no i would say that's artistic and it paints a vivid image in your head but it was an image that in the 40s film you would not have seen no you couldn't even talk about abortion no in in a 40s film um which i mean even though the person who encouraged that woman to get one does meet just punishment or at least meets a some type of punishment oh, yeah and there's there's a the foley work on that scene is beautiful oof, by the yeah. way <laughs> and there is a brief moment of some some gore I mean, it is enough to get this film an R rating. It's Guillermo del Toro. He knows how to do gore, but he does it with a very light hand in this film. Exactly. It's very deft touch. Yeah. It doesn't wallow in it. I think like the one shot that I'm thinking of maybe lasts two seconds, if that. It, it kind of reminds me of um, the piece from Shape of Water with the finger. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's about as close to, to that as I would get. Yeah. I speaking of, have you noticed that the last few Guillermo del Toro films that we have had are all period films? I know I'm enjoying that. <laughs> Me too. It's putting a it's putting a twist on to a, a style that a style of film that a lot of people don't regularly go to see anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm appreciating that he's bringing that back out into the mainstream by tagging his name onto it. Mm-hmm. And um, about the only other thing I would say is kind of like you probably couldn't get away with in like the classic film is the how they show Tony Collette's character first um, seducing, <laughs> shall we say, yeah. um, and when he's in the tub and the hand goes in, mm-hmm. it's all happening under the frame for the most part. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. Looking very closely, but you know, I I, was... I wasn't. I'm not even a Bradley Cooper fan, but it was there in my face. The water was clear. 
Okay. <laughs> so stuff like that, but that's kind of not germane. I mean, it it enhances the story. It's not the yeah. point of the story. Um, or it's, or on the other hand, like I said, it's it not exploitative. W- yeah, or it like, was hinted hey, upon hey, in the original film of their relationship. Who wants to see Bradley Cooper get a handy? No one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, not, they're not, you know, promoting it like that. So the original film, um, that relationship between Xena uh, and Stanton was hinted upon, mm-hmm. but we never saw anything confirming that there was a relationship, no kiss, no holding of a hand, no nothing. Um, there was always a, a semblance of respect of carnies between them. Here, it's like, no, you, you know what they're in for. You know what they're doing. But enough about that, about the exploitation. <laughs> I want to talk about our core triangle of this film. Okay. Stanton Carlisle, mm-hmm. Lilith Ritter, and Molly. It's like he is caught between these two extremes, ultimately. Um, and it's not until the end that we really kind of see that. Molly represents kind of like an innocence. Which um, Rooney plays beautifully. Yeah, she, I mean, they're yes, they're using basic carny tricks and magic tricks and stuff like that. Um, as part of this nightclub act that they mm-hmm. do, as a, of him as a mentalist, quote unquote, and but but still she's she's innocent. She's just like she, she knows she's she knows she's an entertainer, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and she knows not to do like the quote unquote the spook show where you're suddenly talking to dead you know dead ancestors and trying to give people hope because that's not fair. There's a code there. Um. On the other hand, we have the doctor, who I think is highly manipulative. Kate Blanchett is so goddamn good in this oh role. Oh, goodness. Holy I, shit, is she good. Yeah, and <laughs> Sex on a Stick, like, the hottest I have seen a woman since Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. <laughs> you, you said that to me, like, I we did. were walking out of the theater that night, and you were just like... It was in you. every inch of her body. There mm-hmm. was confidence, overconfidence, mm-hmm. um, and just she, the way she's wearing just normal like forty skirt suits. But underneath all that, yeah, there's the way she walks, the way she very much everything's everything. with precision, mm-hmm. and it is to have a certain look. She knows exactly what she's doing. Oh, yes. Yes. And that's, that's what I like about that, because ultimately that's all any noir is, is a, mm-hmm. a man caught between two extremes and invariably is going to make the wrong decisions. But... True, true. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a particular scene in the movie that I really loved. Um, there is this huge, gorgeous chaise lounge in her office. And she is sitting on one side, staring out this great bay window. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and sits back to back with her to have this conversation. And it's shot and wide. Mm-hmm. It makes them look claustrophobic and disconnected while still being connected. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an amazing visual. But even before that, though, like when he's first there, mm-hmm. I think it's the first time he visits her at that office. Um, and she offers to kind of, you know, do a little bit of analysis of him. 
And she's like, well, why don't you sit down? He's like, no, thanks. I'll stand. And then as they go, as they mm-hmm. have their conversation, he sits. He lays. And then he lays down. And you can just see, like, this is him just falling under her spell. And this is where he is losing what he thinks is control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's you know, plays out over a couple of minutes. And it's kind of half subtle about it. And maybe it is kind of obvious as well. But it's still, like, really, you know, as I was watching, I was going, yep, this is where it's happening right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew everything from here on out was... Downhill. Downhill for him, yes. <laughs> um, no, the the scene that really kind of stood out to me as a turning point, um, which obviously it is, he takes pride in never drinking because of his family. Every time he's offered a drink, he always makes it a point of pride to say, no, I, I, I never drink. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, no, thank you, or I'll take the glass but not drink it. No, he always says... I never drink, but somewhere like I would say that's the turning point from the second act into the third act is everything is going well in their, uh, their scheme Mm -hmm. of giving people hope and taking their money and stuff like that, doing the spook show, using Lilith's information to, you know, kind of get in with some of her clients and, and kind of pull the heartstrings and, you know, manipulate them. Um, there's a moment where she pours a glass of whiskey, takes a sip of it, standing probably three inches from each other, sets the glass on the table, at which point he reaches down, picks it up, and shoots the rest of the glass. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder, was, was I, he a, being a an alcohol lightweight at this point because he doesn't drink or had he also been used to drink and then stopped for whatever reason and picking that drink back up kind of reactivates maybe that alcoholism maybe he was an alcoholic beforehand or does it activate you know him like oh shit and then he starts drinking a a lot again i i I, I I wonder if that's like a how that's supposed to play I think he starts drinking when he's on the high and he feels like the world is at his feet and he's in control of everything, including alcohol and its effects on him. Mm-hmm. So so it's a pride hubris thing. Yeah. It's okay. look at me. I can take on everything. Fall. And then as he starts to go downhill, he retreats into that to feel that mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. again of being on top. And it just drags him further down into the depths. Um, that's how I read it, which is why I, it's in that particular moment when he picks up the glass. It's not, you know, oh, everything's going wrong. I'm going to have my first drink. No, he does it in a, at a point where he's at his biggest high ever. True. True. Yeah. Um, is me is, but kind of still on this subject here is he an addictive personality then is he chasing highs um or i would say everyone can kind of chase a high just depends on the one Mm -hmm. but i think his high is 
control and power. It's being omnipotent enough to give people what no one else can give them. He likes playing God. He likes being able to know people enough that whatever he says, they'll believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his high. So, so it's, and when he it's loses, just a power trip. Then. Yeah, and when okay. he loses that power of being able to sway with, you know, a look and a word, he fu- he needs it to come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And Lilith gives him that to his detriment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but right after all of that, there's a piece that isn't in the original film that I really loved where she unbuttons her, her uh, jacket. She's not wearing anything underneath and says, when you mess with the wrong people. Mm. Yeah. And she has this huge scar down the front of her, her, her torso. Yeah. Um, Kind of like running between, it's like an upside down J that kind of just comes down between her two breasts. Yeah. Mm. But in the middle, there's like a little hole of, I'm guessing, where she was shot. But that a shot would not have caused that huge line. No. Well, you know, so it was like, well, was this a doctor's thing? Probably not, you know, where they tried to patch her up. She was viciously attacked at one point. Mm-hmm. It had to have been a knife of some sort. Mm-hmm. That's all I can think of. Yeah. And they don't give any more explanation on it. No, but it's enough it to make you feel like when she says she's scared, you believe it. Yeah. You fucking fall for it. <laughs> it's, it's not like, oh, this was so-and-so did this to me, and that's why we're getting back at them now. It wasn't some kind of like weird, complicated revenge plot. Mm-hmm. She's just motivated by a shit thing that happened to her in the past. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is fine, which is great. It, not everything has to come together in a nice complete bow by the end of the movie it's nice to have some mystery to have some um unexplained things but it's a moment of vulnerability that we rarely see from lilith that um that really kind of makes her her choices more complex mm-hmm. and I, I greatly appreciated that because Kay blanchett sold that moment like crazy oh good god yeah um now, I want to ask you a question because this is something I saw in an interview before I saw the movie, um, and I was just skimming it because I, I was trying to avoid spoilers. But uh, I think it was the screenwriter said that they were trying to make it ambiguous as to whether at least some of the mentalism could have been like, ooh, does he actually have like this really faint supernatural power or is it all fakery and they said they tried to keep it ambiguous and i wanted to get your take on that what do you think i i didn't see it as ambiguous i saw it as all carny tricks it's entertainment when it comes down to that in order to sell the trick you have to be able to act your little ass off (laughs) the moment he's at the lie detector They say, you know, only respond to what you believe is true. Mm -hmm. He did not believe that the person was there, but it showed up on the polygraph that way. Everything that he said afterwards about Doris is all true. Mm -hmm. 
it it didn't have to come from Doris, but all he had to do was say the truth. It's like um like when you're watching Knives Out and she says, "I can't lie, I'll puke." And he goes, "Well, then only give fragments of the truth." And she says, "Oh, I we I took him upstairs around this time. I gave him a couple of uh we played mm-hmm. a game of go at one point we knocked over a board i gave him a couple of uh of his medication shots and then i left all of those things were true she just left out the pieces in between the context yeah mm-hmm. and i think that context is kind of what would sell the polygraph on if it was right or wrong mhm you keep it vague enough you can fool anything true true um and polygraphs only are kind of like they they work by just you know your heart beats a little bit faster you you know your respiration goes up a little bit and there's your a moment skin temperature might rise yeah. a moment a little bit when you are trying to deceive and there was a moment um right before he pretend he, he starts to believe that Doris's spirit is behind him you can see him he actually takes a breath before he even starts it mhm it's great for the dramatic flair of, <laughs> wait, there's, there's someone here, you know, it's, it, but that breath also helps him to lower his heart rate before he goes into the trick mm-hmm. and therefore fooling the polygraph and fooling the person. Yeah. I mean, polygraphs aren't 100% accurate, obviously, mm-hmm. and you know, they can be fooled Mm -hmm. in certain ways um i mean for me i was like it's all carny tricks Mm -hmm. um you know because as a kid i'll this is a weird digression as how i got there (laughs) as a kid i you know for a little while you know i was kind of like into magic and i wanted to learn you know all sorts of sleight of hand stuff and of course you wind up reading you know a kid appropriate age um book on harry houdini as every kid whoever has that magic phase does they go to the library there there's a couple of books on harry houdini and houdini of course was known in his latter years for debunking spiritualists and mediums and frauds like that and so the book would talk about all those tricks and they show you all those tricks of mentalism in well a good portion of those tricks in the movie how they you know fake you know question the question burning thing um Mm -hmm. and how they you know will communicate back and forth between you know one person being blindfolded and the other um having a uh you know the the way they use code with like words and emphasis on certain words Mm -hmm. things like that yeah um and it's like there's all stuff that I kind of remembered reading about as a kid and going, oh, okay, this is how this works in action. I recognize this. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, there was never a moment where I was like, eh, maybe they're walking a thin line here to suggest maybe he does have a little bit of latent ability, which would have been interesting. The moment that I, the only moment I truly doubted whether or not he did or did not was when Kate Blanchett said to Rooney Mara's character, I'll ask the questions. And she said, guess what's in my purse? And he got it. The um, mm-hmm. little silver nickel, uh, nickel plated gun with an ivory handle. 
But then later on, obviously, he explains how he got there. And it's, it was more Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, it was all deduction and, and reading a person's body language and and the way that she holds herself and all that. I completely understand how he got to that conclusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I like that reading people is... I mean, that's, that's a trick that we all need to learn. <laughs> it's kind of something I do... Um, the moment I walk into any room or anything, I size up every single person in there. I watch the way they move, how they're dressed. It, there is one line in this movie that is absolutely fucking true. People are desperate to be seen. They want you to discover them. And it's so fucking true. We all mm -hmm. we put on masks because that's the image that we want to show. So you don't pay attention to the mask. You pay attention to the body language. True. True. So the way someone holds themselves, the way that their eyes may move to a certain part of the room, the way you're looking at me right now is <laughs> uh, is like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm very much in agreement with what you're saying here. Um, I mean, I, I did it the one night over dinner with a friend, and I'm like, look around the room. Who is the the best couple here. And uh, she was like, what? I go, tell me who is the most, like the best couple, like which couple in this room love each other the most. And she got it wrong. <laughs> I'm like, no, they're trying way too hard. And that is because that's the image that they're trying to project to the friends who are sitting at the table with them. It is a thing. Mm -hmm. And, it is an ability that you need to work on, but he just seems to just naturally have it. Maybe it's from working at the carny and dealing with the different types of people and trying to learn how to manipulate them. I love how David Strahan, um, when he was doing the thing about the watch, trying to guess the object, mm -hmm. he started going into the meaning of the watch, the daddy issues, and oh, belong to someone, it's worn down, and... Uh, he got in his head and all he was doing was a blanket description. But blanket descriptions describe everyone and therefore everyone can feel some measure of peace and comfort from it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when if you're doing like that spiritualist uh, thing, you know, it's like, oh, there's a spirit in the room. Does somebody know... Did somebody ha lose somebody at some point in their life? Everybody has that, you know. You can't, you can't, you know, throw a stone without hitting somebody who's a, who hasn't lost like a grandparent, a parent, some kind of relative, or something a like friend that, or something. Yeah. yeah. So you know, that's just a part of life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, is there somebody here who is breathing? You know, you might as well say something as obvious as that. You know, as universal as that. Is there someone here who had a problem with their father? Watch how many hands get raised. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, then you kind of weed down and, you know, depending on what kind of preparation was done, whether it's... And then you watch their body language, and if they're in it, you keep digging. <laughs> and watch them just fall to pieces in front of you. You got them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how that all works. Yeah. It's all manipulation. It's all carny tricks. Mm -hmm. And... 
but they sell it really well True. here. But but in real life, it doesn't happen in such gorgeously photographed <laughs> oh my settings God. as as it does in this movie. Her office. We were sitting together at the mm. film, and like when we first go to Kate Blanchett's office. I could hear you like gasp at how beautiful it was. It was hilarious. It's this beautiful deco 30s wood. Uh, oh my God. It is beautiful. And all that's. Uh, and that chaise lounge in front of the bay window with that moonlight dripping in. It's, it's, all, it's all just the um, opulence to, again, be a further enticement to him. It's yet another temptation and it's weird because you you step out into the hallway and all that looks like a generic hospital wing you walk into her office and it's like holy shit i just walked into a cathedral Mm -hmm. and one of the most beautiful little details that i noticed was in the wood there was these like splotches on flanking either side of her uh her her desk on the wall and um they look like rorschach's (laughs) ingrained into the wood Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god that's a beautiful little detail you know she's a she's a psychologist and you know trying to it will really mess with people's heads what do you see kind of thing who are you underneath and uh it's just another tool that people use to get inside someone's head so i was just like but that place was Yeah, there's, it's it's oh a God. sumptuously designed and photographed uh, world. Whether it's the the grittiness of the carnival, the black and silver of the nightclub, the black and silver of the nightclub is Oof. just holy shit. Yeah, that's that's one of my um, Art Decoy kind of uh, loves. <laughs> and then the the her office, which is warm and inviting, it's opulent, mm-hmm. but it it has that it's warmth, seductive. It's yeah. seductive. Again, we're back it's to comfort. her. Yeah, but it also has a sense of comfort mm-hmm. with the use of wood comparatively yes. to the chrome of the nightclub. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, the rich character's uh, home mm-hmm. as well is kind of more stone, stone and cold. And cold and yeah. The gardens are gorgeous, but the gardens weren't made for him. They were made for a woman who is just as kind as the flowers that would have grown there. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. so uh, it's it's a great where all that the production design and everything just feeds back into these basic noir tropes, and Guillermo knows how to do fucking oh, production design on man. every single I, one of his movies. I need to go back and rewatch Crimson Peak. Yes, because they built that entire fucking house mm-hmm. inside and out, and mm-hmm. I I would love to get another good look at that because I haven't seen it mm-hmm. since it was in the theater. Yeah, I think same here. Um, <laughs> I would actually if he were like to come to New York and do like two weeks at the film forum of Guillermo del Toro's film noir hits. <laughs> and he was there introducing films left, right and center. I would, I, I would take a week uh, off of work. I was just going to say, I would, I would, I would take, I would take time off work to go to that. Yeah. And just, you know, well, do the Airbnb in Jersey city and drive the, ride yes! the train in. Yes. <laughs> Cause I, I've been, oh gosh, years ago, years and years ago. Um, probably late nineties, early aughts, the film forum did a, uh, a film noir series. And I remember going in on a couple of occasions to see things like, um, lady in the lake. Um, mm. and I'm still really pissed. I missed, um, in only place this year when they were doing their bogey. Oh yeah. Mm. 
but um, you know, there's nothing like seeing a good black and white film noir from a nicely freshly struck print on screen. I mean, it's it's something. And I really want to see Double Indemnity up on the big screen. Oh, I know you do. I've I've been keeping my eye out for about two years on that now, hoping somebody does it. Think we but, could run a theater again like we did for Clerks? Uh, for your birthday? <laughs> well, maybe not for your birthday tomorrow, but soon. <laughs> soon. We'll see. Um, but I think, though, that's just going to about wrap us up for um, today. Nightmare Alley is currently... In cinemas. So check it out. Yes. We strongly recommend it. <laughs> Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there, search, and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review, because that always helps us connect with new listeners. Now, as we said before, we'll be back next time with our favorites of 2021. And that is all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Sedation. You 